it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for being with us all week long. The the governor of uh, Florida is speaking right now, Ron DeSantis. $40 billion in damage. At least 10 have lost their lives. It's not over yet in Florida as the hurricane bears down in South Carolina. We'll give you the latest as Governor DeSantis looks cooks to update everybody. They were about 15 minutes late. They were scheduled for 845. Uh, that's Eastern time. So we'll, uh, we'll bring you the latest as it happens. Uh, John Levine at the bottom of the hour. He's been all over this Hunter Biden situation as well as what the House Judiciary Committee will do should they get uh, the majority, uh, the majority uh, come November. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. What we're going to see is some kind of horizontal escalation. In other words, instead of using the conventional troops on the ground, which are failing, he will move to a carpet bombing other parts of Ukraine. He could conceivably go to a chemical weapon. Uh, Vladimir, that is Admiral Stavridis talking about what Vladimir Putin's capable of. He just declared four provinces in Ukraine Russian territory based on sham referendums. What does this mean for Vladimir Putin, his plans to escalate in Ukraine and for us here in the U.S. as tens of thousands of his citizens decide they'd rather leave the country than fight this dumb war? Number two. Having a poll lead in June or July or August is pretty irrelevant. What matters is the final stretch. And races tighten, and that's what we're seeing right now, and it's tightening in favor of Republicans. Jeff Mason weighing in on a special report last night. Issues tracking Republicans who are attacking Republicans' way, like immigration, crime, and a creating a cratering economy. Have Americans looking away from Democrats and Joe Biden. We're going to look at those trends race by race. Number one. This could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. Uh, there is the President of the United States, Hurricane Ian, uh, historic and enduring. We'll look at the damage, the lives, the livelihoods lost, and how some are using this as an opportunity to scream climate change and slam Governor DeSantis. With me right now is Mark Thiessen. He never screams climate change. He knows this is part of hurricane season, and it's never good. Right, Mark? Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, look. The uh, the reality is, is that there's no no evidence whatsoever that this is, has anything to do with climate change. In fact, uh, the last year was like the weakest hurricane season on record in the Atlantic, and this year it's it's it hasn't until now it has it hasn't been strong either. So you know, but with the, this is why they change it from like global warming to climate change because climate change can mean anything. If there are fewer hurricanes, it's because of climate change. If there's more hurricanes, it's because of climate change. It's like it, it's it's it could, it's like a uh, you know they, they they can turn it into whatever they want. Uh, exactly. For here's the example of them turning it into whatever they want. Uh, this is other media outlets. Cut eleven. To a season, what happened now with climate change and these extreme warm waters? It's almost you know it's happening all the time. This storm, in a way, is kind of 
bad news for the people that are still trying to deny climate change as a factor. Florida Republicans deny climate change as a monster storm barrels towards the coast. This will be a first-time test uh, for how you adapt to these new, stronger storms on a, on a warmer planet as a result of climate change. The threat exacerbated, of course, by climate change. Charleston, like Miami, gets water that comes up on a, on a good sunny day. That's climate change because water levels are rising. Our Earth is getting warmer, and there is just no doubt, I think, left that it is feeding these beasts. Do you feel, uh, do you feel differently now, Mark? You've been converted? I've been converted, absolutely. I, we got to do something about this. Literally, what they were saying was factually incorrect. We've had fewer hurricanes in the last year and a half than, uh, than uh, at any time in, in, in years. Uh, so, no, it's not, there's not more storms uh, going on. There might be more intensity. But this, what, this is the problem is that the left can't figure out the difference between weather and climate, which are two very different things. And, uh, and so every weather event that they don't like, they, they harness it to a PR stunt for climate change. Um, and really, you know, the, the, the one guy, one, I, can't, I don't know, I couldn't see, uh, can't tell who it was who was speaking, but he's like, we've got to deal with mitigation. That's exactly it. The, the, we, we can, climate change is real. It's happening. It's going to affect, the, it's going to affect us uh, in, in different ways. And the question is, what do you do about it? Uh, one option is to try and stop the climate from changing, which would require uh, destruction to our economy that, that is unsustainable and uh, unwise. And even then, we're not sure that we could stop it, uh, or, or, and certainly we can't reverse it, because carbon, once it goes in the atmosphere, it doesn't disappear. So you can't reverse climate change. You can only slow it or stop it at an unacceptable cost. Or you can do the smart thing, which is mitigation. So, so for example, there's, there's 100 million people right now who live un- below sea level in the world. Amsterdam has dikes and, and levees. Those are very cheap to build. <laughs> you know, so and and if you're in an area where there's more heat, well, guess what? Air conditioning works, right? And 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 actually, more people die in the world die from cold than die from heat, as Bjorn Lomberg has pointed out. So when the temperature, global temperatures rise, you actually have a net reduction in deaths uh, right. as a result. And air conditioning is cheap. Mitigation is inexpensive. We can adapt to to, to uh, the good thing, good news about climate change. It's happening really slowly. It's not going to be like one day all of a sudden floods are going to be coming and, and, and locusts and frogs and, you know, and, 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 you know, all the flakes from the, from the earth. It's happening slowly, and so we can adapt. And adaptation is actually really, really inexpensive. It's, uh, what's, what's destructive is, uh, is this effort to try and stop the earth from warming, which is impossible for humans to do. And we might have been happening forever, and it might, uh, might or may not be uh, man-related uh, to what we're doing, our activities. Both. Yeah. It's probably both. But the point is, we, we can't stop the progress of humanity because the temperature of the earth is going to go up a little bit. We have to adapt. I mean, what we do, what we do do is harness the productivity and the genius of man to adapt to a changing climate so that we can live in it. So I want you to hear. Uh, so the big question is, of course, is Governor DeSantis a big critic of the president and vice versa? The president, a huge critic of the, of the governor, especially when it comes to this immigration stuff. He was asked that about how they're coordinating between the federal government and the Republican mayor, uh, governor. Cut to. How would you describe your relationship and your conversation with Governor DeSantis? It's totally irrelevant, but I'll answer it. OK, if I, very fine. He complimented me. He thanked me for the immediate response we had. He told me how much he appreciated it, said he was extremely happy with what was going on. This is not about whether or anything having to do with our disagreements politically. This is about saving people's lives, homes, and businesses. That's what this is about. 
And so I've been I've talked to him four or five times already. And it's not a matter of my disagreements with him on other items. So it would be nice of him to say, and I think he's doing a good job in Florida. It sounded almost Donald <laughs> Trump-esque. Hey, this guy likes me. He seems to like me. I was yeah. amazed by that soundbite. Yeah, and uh, contrast it with uh, DeSantis, who said he's, the president is doing a great job on this and praised him for his emergency declaration and all the rest of it. But I'll tell you, the, the contrast really for me is not between DeSantis and Biden. Uh, it's between DeSantis and Trump. So De- DeSantis is just as much as a great counterpuncher as Donald Trump ever was. You know, from the Disney stuff to the to the planes of migrants going to to Martha's Vineyard and all the rest of it, he's got all the great populist instincts uh, and 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 relishes taking it to the left. But he also has a switch where he can turn it off and be presidential. And that's what we're seeing right now in Florida, where, you know, the briefings that he's having, he's all business. He's he's briefing people on, you know, the strength of the storm, where to where to find shelter, how to find shelter, how, you know, all, all deployments of the National Guard, deployments of, of linemen to fix power. at that. It's all business. It's all he's, he's like the model of a commander in chief in charge in a crisis right now. And if Donald Trump had done that during his covid briefings. He'd still be president today. That 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 is the fundamental difference between the two men. Is that Donald Trump didn't have that off switch. The COVID briefings. He started out with like fifty point six percent in in March in, in public support for his handling of COVID, and it just plummeted because in a time of crisis, Trump went out and he had fights with reporters, and he and he complained about unappreciative governors, and he and he you know stream of consciousness about bleach and and all and all the rest of it, and it just alienated so many Americans because Americans are tuning in in a crisis. And they want what right. what do they want? They want a, someone who's saying, we're on top of this. Here's what your government is doing. Here's what you need to know. We're, we're, I'm going to give you an honest assessment of what's happening. And that's what DeSantis is doing. And Trump couldn't do that. And that's the fundamental difference between the two. With DeSantis, you get everything you like about Trump in terms of the populism, in terms of the pugnaciousness, in terms of the great conservative reform policies. I mean, he's been a fundamentally great conservative reformer as governor of Florida. But you also get the 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 ability to be presidential when 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 your state or or and if he goes to higher office when your country needs it. I like so the analogy does work in some respects, but the challenge that Trump had was he had a government that was kind of against him. You know, Fauci, Doctor Burks, they just dismissed him. Number two, he did have hostile press. If DeSantis went to the press and they were saying um, stuff about Venezuelans and you're not taking care of this low income. The, uh, the you're not serving the low income constituents and you're only going for see if they started challenging him, I think you would see a pugnaciousness back again where people might be saying you should stay with the crisis. I think that Trump had a very hostile press at all times that never cut him a break. Do you agree with that? There's probably some truth to that. But I think all the DeSantis would handle it differently. I think DeSantis would say, why are you asking that question right now? We, we've got people whose lives are at stake. I'm trying to lead this country uh, or the state through a crisis. I'm trying to get resources uh, that I don't have time for your politics. I don't have time for your to, to ask questions. He wouldn't you know, he wouldn't call him a cutie pie or like attack him in the way the, the, that Trump did. Um, I just think that he he was you, 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 there's a time when you there's a time to counterpunch and there's a time not to take the bait. Um, and Trump couldn't tell the difference. That would, and that's fundamentally that's fundamentally why I think he lost the election. I think that you know there was, I've, I've told you this before, but you know before the election, poll Gallup poll, fifty six percent of Americans said that they were better off now than they were four years ago, which has never happened in the history of the Gallup poll, and he still lost. It was because of this stuff. 
is because people looked at that. They looked at the COVID briefings. They looked at the first debate. And they're like, I'm done with this. I'm done with right. it. I don't want this chaos, right? And so you have – he's probably the great, one of the greatest conservative presidents of my lifetime. He, what he did in, the, in office is with, almost without parallel, from the Abraham Accords to the Operation Warp Speed. You, I, I, I could go – I could spend an entire hour on the air with you talking about his accomplishments in office and what he did. But people at some point, the fact his behavior in office – made people not care about those things. Not, not his base, but like the swing voters who you need. Um, and DeSantis seems to be somebody who can walk and chew gum at the same time, who can do all those good things, who can fight back when the time is right, but also know when it's time to take a step back and not take the bait and not punch back. Uh, pretty accurate. Uh, I'm truly hard to challenge that. Uh, they think it's pretty I mean, much think about a Muhammad Ali. Have you ever watched a Muhammad Ali fight where this guy's throwing the punches at him and he's just ducking and weaving and not punching back? Like Trump could never do that. <laughs> that's that's that. There's time. There's a time to land the blow, and there's a time to duck and weave, and and uh, and that that's the fundamental difference between the two. Well, I'll I'll take the analogy. I'll lead analogy. Uh, uh, the analogy a little further, and that is the um, dope, uh, the rope dope. Sometimes you got to yeah. take the blows, but actually Trump yep. will never take a blow that's not unanswered. Which I'm I'm not sure yep. you can critica, uh, be critical of that. Um, let's yep. talk about uh, Admiral Stavridis and what he said. I don't know if you've known this. In the last hour, it looks as though Vladimir Putin has annexed four areas of Ukraine. He is losing this war. He, his, uh, his call-up of 300,000 people has caused an exodus from his country, the likes of which I've never seen before. I want you to hear what the Admiral Stavridis said, and I want to get your take. Cut 30. Oh, I think it's quite significant um, in the sense that reliable reports, Jonathan, say 200,000, 300,000, maybe more Russian men of military age, which, by the way, is pretty elastic in Russia. Uh, they'd be willing to take old, grizzled Admiral Stavridis to go to the front <laughs> lines at this point. That's how desperate they are. So bottom line, uh, this does not augur well for his efforts. And I'll conclude with this. Um, that kind of outflow of your personnel is not only a loss of manpower and productivity, it's a huge brain drain. These are going to be the smart people, the ones who access the Internet, who understand what's going on. They're not going back to Russia. Not going back to Russia. The fight's not over. He's going to say this is part of Russia. If you attack it, you've attacked the country. What changes after this annexation? Uh, nothing. I mean, no one's going to recognize it as a violation of the uh, U.N. charter. It's a violation of all international law. Uh, no one's going to recognize it. No one considers this Russian territory. No one's going to accept it. And this is just these, this is just the flailing of a failing of a failing leader. Um, Stavridis is 100 percent right. Uh, and, and look, this is what we need. What my biggest fear right now is that the Ukrainians have Putin on the run. He, he's, he's lost probably half of his military capability in terms of his actual physical armor and weapons and all the rest of it. He's to the point where he's actually taking, begging, getting artillery from North Korea and drones from Iran, because which are not working, by the way, um, which is how desperate he is. He's, he's, he's lost so many men that he's having to do a mobilization, and, and they're literally sending people. You've seen these videos on, on, on Instagram and other places where there's soldiers who, like, I got called up, I got deployed, I got no training, and I'm here in Kursan. <laughs> I mean, this, he's just sending, like, literally meat into a meat grinder. Uh, for, with people with no training don't know what they're doing, no motivation. He's losing. And so the question for us is, how, we now need to take the gloves off. 
And by that, I mean we need to give the Ukrainians everything they're asking for and help them drive Putin out of all the territory that he's tried, that he's unlawfully taken, including these provinces, including Crimea, and drive him out. It'll be a devastating defeat. He's not going to use nuclear weapons because he knows if he uses a tactical nuke, one, it could blow back on his own country, and that'll be the end of him. And number two, uh, the West will come in and, and, start, and start engaging direct militarily in terms of airstrikes and other ways and destroy him. And he's not going to use a strategic weapon because Russia, that'll be the end of Russia. So we've got to stop worrying. The, the biggest problem Biden has is he's constantly worried about provoking Putin. Who cares? Defeat him. Then the Ukrainians right now, it's the best thing possibly could happen to us. They are literally de- destroying the Russian military for us without, it, without us having to risk a single American life. All we got to do is give them the weapons to do it. They're willing to take it. And we should do it until right. every single Russian soldier is out of every single inch of Ukrainian territory. We watched in Georgia and we said that, well, Chakavili was just too uh, vociferous and challenging. Uh, and we could not believe he went into Georgia and stayed. We could not believe he took Crimea. He says he'll never be able to hold it. And he stayed. Then he invades Ukraine. This has to be where the rubber hits the road. You are stopping generations of Americans for fighting him later if we could stop yep. him right now. I know you believe that, Mark. 100%. Yeah, Mark, 100%. Uh, Mark Thiessen, thanks so much. And your column expands on what you just said here. Unlike Trump, DeSantis is showing a populist uh, can be a pres- uh, can be a presidential in a crisis. Mark Thiessen, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Take care. All right. When we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, and we'll bring you the latest from a press conference still taking place right now in Florida. Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers here at first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox & Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, We're just still watching the press conference going on. Now the number of casualties, sadly, has gone up to 21. Remember, the sheriff told us yesterday, not us, but uh, told us and then uh, confirmed it to Marco Rubio, who related to me on Fox & Friends, that they think hundreds. And we did get a confirmation from another lawmaker that they've seen bodies. So they have not been able to get to a great uh, a number of areas. But right now, the fatalities are at 21 and they're continuing to update us on what goes on. Uh, they have found human remains also, sadly and ugly. They've gotten it. They've actually unearthed bodies from cemeteries. That's how saturated this ground is. Ugly scene in Florida. We're all over it. Brian Kilmeade show. When we come back, going to be joined by John Levine and talk about where we're heading politically with all these other things breaking before November 8th. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. As in all of our first responders, they are always on call. She was there for a reason. No matter what the reason was, she should not have been murdered in this fashion. This is a painful time for everyone. I served with the EMS as a police officer. I know what they do every day. 
Every day they do their job in a manner in which many of us don't realize how dangerous it is. She was working for this city. She played, paid the ultimate sacrifice. But she paid the ultimate sacrifice for absolutely no reason. I mean, it wasn't like she was running into a building like 9-11, which she actually did, ran into a building for 9-11. You're talking about somebody who was going to retire in six months. You're talking about somebody that was killed on the front page of the New York Post today uh, that was killed. And, you know, everyone's talking about uh, what's going on in, in uh you know, with these natural disasters and the hurricanes and how many states going to be hit. Well, that's what happens. Hurricanes happen. This woman, Allison Russo uh, Eilig, is a, uh, an asset to this community, to this country. She served almost 25 years in the FDNY EMS. She became a lieutenant. And one day, yesterday, 2.30 in the afternoon, she gets fatally stabbed because some lunatic, some lunatic, we only know he's 34 years old, and the people that knew him says he's absolutely out of his mind and violent, decides he wants to stab her to death. So her life's ended. So many people that know her life is ruined. She doesn't get a chance to enjoy retirement. And we have another random act of violence. John Levine sees all the horror as a New York Post writer and talks about how this crime is to- totally out of control. John, these are, one, these are random acts of violence like I've not seen in this city before. Have you? Well, I haven't seen it. I haven't lived through it. But I've heard the stories of the 80s and the early 90s. And, uh, you know, if you talk to a lot of people, it it, it looks clearer and clearer that we're we're heading in that direction more and more. We have uh, a former NYPD captain who became mayor. We never see the police commissioner. I don't know where she is. She might be great. She's got to start speaking and taking control and showing some outrage and getting on the street, doing something. But he but this guy keeps bragging that he's going to get crime under control. The shootings are down. Have you seen what's going on? Everything else is up. I, it's, it's, it's like you can't even keep track every single day. Someone is shot in the face. Somebody is stabbed. Some junkie is shooting up heroin in the middle of the street in broad daylight. Parts of the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn are like war zones now. And nothing is getting done. It's just bodies are piling up. And, you know, it, it, I, 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 do, I do have to say a little bit it's out of the mayor's hands. A lot of these people are psychos who should be, you know, incarcerated. And they've got... Dozens of priors, but we can't lock them up because of the bail reform law that came out of Albany. And you've also got district attorneys like Alvin Bragg in New York that just won't do their jobs. So even if you do arrest people, the charges get downgraded and they find ways to just release them back out onto the street. And just to build on what you're saying, you're right. He did go up to Albany and he did lobby lawmakers, and they laughed him right out of the city. They said, don't come back again. So know what I would do? This guy loves the camera. He loves the microphone. Every day, I want to name the following lawmakers. They told me that bail reform and no cash bail stays. This guy would have been in jail. That woman would have been alive. This guy would have been in jail. This woman would have been alive. And roll it down. And that's what you do if you want to get results, not worry about your political fortune. And I understand the frustration there. And the other thing that's happening is people don't want to be cops because of qualified immunity. They're not backed. They're not paid. And they're not allowed to do their job. And they get the sense that this, this commissioner uh, and this mayor has their back. They worry that they don't have their back. And they know what happens when that happens. I mean, at least with the last mayor, they didn't have their back. And, you know, it's, it's, it's terrible. Everyone's, oh, defund the police until, until it's in your neighborhood, until it happens to you. And, you know, you, you, you have these people that go out every single day and risk their lives. 
and you have these violent, psycho people in New York yeah. City. I don't think your, your listeners outside of New York City really appreciate some of the characters we have here. And these people you know, put their lives at risk every single day to, to, to keep the criminal elements away from people. And, and, and when they arrest someone, they've got – you know, I've seen arrests in New York City. If you live in New York City, you'll see arrests. And immediately, everyone in this vicinity will take out their phone and, and start filming. So this, a, a live arrest is going down, and 25 people suddenly are like Christian Amanpour, and the phone is out. And it's like, what are you doing? What's the meaning of this officer? And they can't do their jobs at all. And then, it, God forbid, anyone breaks a nail, you know, you have, a, yeah. you have like Al Sharpton leading a protest outside the precinct. It's, it's a terrible situation. And you know that you never can be certain that leadership will defend you, ever unfortunately, in our current climate. So right now, if you look at the recent polls, I think that uh, you're getting Lee Zeldin's getting closer and closer to what he needs to be successful, and that's between 30 and 35 percent of the city vote. And a lot of it is tough on crime. I know he's got about 25 law enforcement unions that have supported him. You write a story that Lee Zeldin, if elected, uh, may declare a crime emergency. He's got to be able to work with Democrats. We saw what happened when Governor Schwarzenegger walked in there and uh, tried to be a Republican. That didn't happen. People think he failed, but he really had no choice. Um, so what, what, what are you seeing with Zeldin that might give people hope they care about law and order and less about party and politics? Well, you know, as you said, Zeldin needs about 30 percent of the city to win. I would I would say even a little bit more than that. You know, he's going to obviously dominate upstate, but nobody really lives upstate. Republicans got to win 30 percent of the city. Curtis Sliwa was unable to do this in his run for mayor. So it's a very, very tall order. Um, and as for the crime emergency, you know, he's got to he has to even if he wins, you're still going to deal with probably a major Democratic majority in the state assembly. He thinks he's going to be able to get the bail reform law repealed through the legislative process. But I have doubts about that because, you know, I know some of these jokers up there and they're not they'll, like I'm going to go into their districts. I don't know that that's going to matter to some of these guys, but it depends on what the final numbers shake out. But the, the suspending it through a crime emergency is a much more novel approach. It's something that is a little it's a little more legally exotic. And as he pointed out to me, it's not his preferred option because then the next governor can just undo it. You know, he wants a clean repeal, but that's a very tall order, even if he wins, you know. Right. Uh, I was very curious. I say one of his weaknesses, they say name recognition. So you could actually change that. I mean, five events a day. From New York 1 to WABC uh, TV, don't walk away from one camera. Uh, demand people right. have attention. Make sure you show up at every crime scene. Uh, and don't, let, you know, don't leave anything in the tank. Because I think there's that could catastrophic uh, uh, pay-for-play, which Governor Hochul did, where four days before giving a $637 million no-bid contract to a donor, he goes, she is the beneficiary of a huge cash infusion to her campaign. Four days later, $637 million, and we have to pay for rapid test with our taxpayer dollars that are twice as much as California's. Then we find out his daughter, her, da- uh, her son or daughter, ends up working for the donor. I mean, this is, this is in, in your face. All, all of Albany's for sale. <laughs> like, what, what's there, going it's on? been well documented. <laughs> so, you know, I think she showed up. She didn't have an independent power base like Cuomo. And she's trying to sort of find her footing, and she's much more susceptible to big donor pressure than someone like Cuomo would have been because, you know, Cuomo was, you know, he was like a mob boss. He, no, you know, he, he wouldn't have to sort of behave that way. Obviously, he did other things, but 
It's, it's just because of probably her youth and inexperience in the job. John Levine, our guest, he's usually on talking about Hunter. I want to bring you to the FBI. We know there's a sense in the FBI with about a dozen whistleblowers coming forward that if you're a Republican or conservative and don't want to do a Democrat, do what Democrats want you to do, uh, you're going to be marginalized or fired. So that's why they're blowing the whistle. Jim Jordan talked about that with Sean Hannity last night because now there's retribution on those coming forward, which, by the way, is against the law. Cut 26. We talked about the 14 whistleblowers, FBI agents who've come to our office the very next day. The very next day, Merrick Garland sends that memo out saying, here are the rules if you're going to speak to Congress. It was a memo designed to chill the speech of brave whistleblowers who want to come forward and tell us the truth. We also know that some of those whistleblowers have had their security clearance revoked, which is always the first step in terminating someone at the FBI. And now we think there's been specific retaliation against a whistleblower who's been suspended. Suspended. And this is one of the very first whistleblowers we had who's been suspended. He came to us back last fall with the school board's issue when we learned that memo, uh, memorandum that came from Attorney General Garland designed to say we're going to use the counterterrorism measures against moms and dads. And 20 some parents were investigated by the FBI for simply showing up at a school board meeting. We got a very uh, lauded, well-respected bureau here in New York City. But is there a sense? Of, should there be a sense of concern in this country for an FBI that's politically driven? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I can't stress enough how important the whistleblower process is. Like the reason we had Edward Snowden and the reason Snowden was so bad was because he just he gave information away. He he went to journalists. There, he didn't go through the official channels. The whistleblower process. So I love whistleblowers. That's the legal way to get information out. You know. That that's if if the government's doing something wrong internally and you want to blow the whistle, whistleblower. If you undermine that process, you're going to end up with a lot more illegal leaks, things like Snowden, which is just it's not how we should do things. And it's obvious that a lot of stuff within the DOJ and the FBI uh, has been politicized, and it, it it should and probably will form part of the Republican House investigation into these matters should they retake the House in the midterm election. Very interesting. Uh, they got to solve this, and these guys got to come forward. And uh, it would be very interesting to see these FBI agents come in front and see if there's retaliation there once they become, once they go public. Some have refused right. to do the Mar-a-Lago raid, and they got suspended for refusing to do it because obviously there'll be a political price to pay. It was not in the FBI's interest for Christopher Ray to green light the DOJ sending the FBI into Mar-a-Lago. They're trying to rehab their image and not be a political organization. And the DOJ says, I need you to raid the uh, President Trump's place. And if he's, you realize there's got to be a better way because the fallout cannot be worth what they've gotten. And, and that's pretty much where we stand if you're looking at the big picture. Uh, you also point out a couple other things, uh, and that is that President Biden and President Trump, they could have a rematch, although that does look unlikely from the Biden side. Stunningly, you, according to the latest poll, Biden still edges out Trump, but it's basically a dead heat. Yeah, it's a, that year, it, was a, it was an Emerson poll, 44 Biden, 43 Trump, a very decisive block that was undecided. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if they ran against each other again, it would certainly be a very interesting race, a very old race. Um, you know, Trump would be not, is not a spring chicken anymore either, we have to remember. I think he'd be 76. Biden would be past 80. Uh, but, there, I mean, as far as I see it, Biden says he's running. I mean, there's no I know that a lot of people are talking, but Biden has not said he's not running. And as far as as far as Biden land is concerned, he is still running. And, you know, Trump has obviously raised 
tens of millions of dollars for a, for a potential rematch. And he has what's, you know, sort of, he has sort of a hundred million. Could, yeah. hundred million. He has an operation that he can flip on and he has, he has, he has the cash ready to go. So if he wants to launch a campaign, it would, it would be, I would say we have a decent chance of a Trump Biden rematch. Which so, unless would be a very old race. Uh, well, you got the Georgia investigation. Now you have the Mar-a-Lago investigation and now you have the attorney general of New York she says this. She plans to put the Trumps on trial in 2023. This is the most a transparent political push just to hurt an organization for political reasons and for political gain that I've seen in my life. And I watched oh, yeah. other channels look at this and say, yeah, this is a little uh, a little rich with uh, with uh, adjectives. I, I, what's crazy is so that she's trying to get him on the exaggerated claims, which, first of all, I mean, you're from New York, where we live here. Like, I Trump's been exaggerating claims his whole life. Like, and everyone knows that. I remember I'm worth ten billion dollars. You know, everyone to get him on that is incredible stuff. And by the way, I have to ask you, if he's guilty of this thing he was doing that we all knew he was doing for decades, how come it wasn't a crime then? Why is it now suddenly a crime only after he becomes? A president that's very unpopular with New York City voters. And I think it's going to blow voters. up on the attorney general because we're all seeing it. I, I watch other channels say, yeah, this I, you know, I, I really can't see anything here. And Jonathan Turley and, and Andrew McCarthy, who's been very critical in McCarthy's case of the Mar-a-Lago raid, why he took the documents. When it comes to this, he says, this is unbelievable. By the way, don't the banks have a say? There's nobody's been hurt. The banks are complaining because they got paid back. The properties are right. in great shape. There is no plaintiff. There's just right. politics. Right. It's just, this is show me the man, show you the crime. This <laughs> is like, you know, Kazakhstan stuff. Right. And, and, and they're going to come after the Levine fortune next. Do you, do you fear that, John? The What? The Levine fortune? Yes. <laughs> uh Who's the Levine fortune? No, I'm talking about your money. Oh, me? Are oh, yeah. Worried? Oh, the, that's the, the 87,000 IRS agents. Yeah, yes. I'm excited for that. And if you think that's only going to be millionaires and billionaires, I have, a, I have a farm on Fifth Avenue to sell you. Right. They're going to come for you and your Thank compound. You. Believe oh, me. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, that's all coming. Right. Because the New York Post pays you a ton. I was going to say, the Levine fortune, what are you talking about? <laughs> As a journalist, I've taken the vow of poverty. Right. <laughs> No, as work. If could, no, no. The post pays you enough that you don't really have to work. You probably send out stringers to do your work. That's true. Yes, the post is a fabulous employer. Thank just, you. I was just teasing. And you never know when they're listening. Uh, John, thanks so much. Great to hear from you. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. When we come back, I'll take your calls and find out what else is happening. Also, the the press conference with Governor DeSantis just wrapped. We'll give you the latest. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Everything we've gone through, the Trump presidency, the the pandemic, uh, just the journey of, you know, the more pandemic. Um, (laughs) And and I realized that after the seven years, um, my time is up. I, uh, yeah, but in, in, in in the most beautiful way, honestly, I... 
I've loved hosting this show. It's been one of my greatest challenges. It's been one of my greatest joys. I, I, I've loved trying to figure out how to make people laugh, even when the stories are particularly <laughs> the worst days. You know, we've, we've laughed together, we've cried together. Um, but after seven years, I, I feel like it's, it's, it's time. What do, you, what do we think about that? About Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show? I think you're very happy about it. I mean, I think he, they haven't really been doing much at all. I mean, my question is... is They're is not it, a factor. No. I mean, John Stewart was a factor. He hated, he hated Fox. We ran our clips. He would often call out the other side he would, when they weren't left enough. Yeah. But he'd be interesting and funny and creative. I can't get through one of his shows. No, I know it's gotten way too political. He would have some funny jokes when it would be like a non-political story, but it's not even worth watching anymore. My, my, you know what's going to happen? Are they going to stop The Daily Show? Nope. John Oliver. Goes back? John Oliver is the closest thing to John Stewart. But he has a pretty good deal at HBO, no? Well, couldn't you do both? I mean, he only does one day a week. I know, but I'm pretty sure HBO probably pays him handsomely for that. Well, who exclusive... owns? Viacom owns Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I don't, between everybody buying everyone, I don't even know who are they together. Um, I, I, one is Time Warner. I don't believe they are, but at the same time, too, John Oliver is so smart in all that he puts together. To do that every night is also a huge lift. Well, just do what John Stewart did. I mean, for the longest time, I think that John Oliver probably would. I don't know, but I mean, listen, if they're all going to feast on Fox, so uh, let them work it out. But no one's going to touch Godfell. News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan. It's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of Brian Kilmeade Show at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, heard around the world, and all eyes are downtown in uh, or downstate, down country in Florida. Now we'll look out. Uh, Georgia, good news. It seems to have missed you. Good news for Mets and Braves fans. They'll be able to play three consequential games to decide the National League East. Mets have a one-game lead Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They thought they would have to play early Friday, probably play now, you know, or maybe at, at 11 Eastern. And then they would play, uh, take off Saturday and play a day-night doubleheader on Sunday because they thought this hurricane was going to slam it. But now it looks like we're okay. So at least in Georgia, but South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, look out. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. What we're going to see is some kind of horizontal escalation. In other words, instead of using the conventional troops on the ground, which are failing, he will move to a carpet bombing other parts of Ukraine. He could conceivably go to a chemical weapon. Yeah, he better not. Uh, Vladimir Putin just declared four provinces of Ukraine part of Russia. Uh, The referendums are a total sham and a hoax. But will the rest of the world go along with it? I hope not, because Ukraine... Given some time and some more arms, we'll win. Number two. Having a poll lead in June or July or August 
is pretty irrelevant. What matters is the final stretch. And races tighten, and that's what we're seeing right now. And It's tightening in favor of Republicans. Uh, yes, it is. Issues are going their way. 2022 issues tracking Republicans way, as we just mentioned, like immigration, like crime, like the creator economy. I have American I have Americans looking away from Democrats and Joe Biden. Is that going to happen pervasively? Well, let's look at the trends and the individual races. Number one, this could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. President Biden weighing in. Hurricane uh, Ian, historic and enduring. We'll look at the damage uh, that's already been done. Estimated to be about $40 million. Fatalities uh, have risen to tw- uh, 221. Uh, let's bring in Geraldo Rivera. I mean, every major hurricane Geraldo has basically covered. Geraldo, you've seen them before. They're all a little bit different. What's so, so challenging about this one? I think, Brian, uh, good morning. They, uh, what happened to Sanibel and the other offshore islands is quite stark and dramatic. I visited Sanibel often in my boat there on the west coast of Florida visiting friends. I don't know if they stuck it out during the storm. I understand now that 200 families on the island of Sanibel uh, did uh, stick it out. don't know what the fatality rate is. I know the official number is 21. So far, it's going to be higher than that. It always reminds me a couple of things. Number one, covering a hurricane, the drama is in the wind, the trees bending over and so forth. But the damage is also is always the uh, damage is always the the water. And uh, now you have stories which were very reminiscent of Katrina, where people took shelter as the waters rose inexorably in the upper floors of their homes, and then they got trapped up there. Uh, from the water on the one side and no way out, no way through their uh, their roofs. So I, I suspect that uh, the number of 21 is going to easily double, maybe more than that, God forbid. But uh, it just seems that way, Brian. Well, it, it does. And I, I get the sense the sheriff came out and said hundreds, we believe hundreds have lost their lives. And everyone said, we didn't hear about one. And then we heard about two. Now we heard about 10. Now we got up to 21. So I think a lot of these areas with the cell phone towers down, the communication uh, and the we have to eyeball people. That's what I'm. It's almost back to the Stone Age. Eyeball people to find out who's hurt, who's not, and who's who's alive and who left. It's got, this is going to be a longer process. Let me ask you well, on that bridge. You you know structure. Are you surprised uh, that people didn't forecast this? Are you surprised by the strength of a hurricane that would take it out? In your mind, was it always susceptible to something like this? It reminds me of the building that collapsed uh, around Lauderdale uh, a year yeah. or two ago. Uh, and it doesn't matter how well you build them. If you build them on sand, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be, you know, it, there's, there's like sayings about that. You know, build it on sand. And they built these big bridges. Uh, uh, they look sturdy in every regard, well-designed. But then they put those pillars in sand. Sand's always shifting, particularly in a storm like this, just digs out from under it. The pilings have nothing uh, to support them. And in turn, the bridge collapses. And now you have a... You know, a modern high-end island uh, that is absolutely cut off and uh, has been ravaged. It's uh, it's deeply distressing. But can I just say one thing about climate change? I I think that uh, people talking about climate change in regard to this hurricane, I, in my view, just don't know what the hell they're talking about. 
Uh, I, I remember seasons in Florida where Florida itself got hit by four hurricanes yes. in one season. Uh, you know, uh, I remember Hurricane Andrew, 92, uh, you know, south of Miami, uh, and how the winds were so intense uh, that they scoured the whole community and then the water came in. It's, uh, you know, how they can with... Uh, such confidence uh, attributed to global warming or climate change is, to me, the height of recklessness and irresponsibility. Here is Don Lemon doing exactly that. Cut 12. The science shows what the science shows. It's undeniable um, uh, what is happening. But listen, let's talk about the, the storm surge. It, really, what I was trying to explain on the site is just the phenomenon of the intensifying storms right. over the years, what it is. Not trying to say that it's one that, you know, one particular storm we could gauge something. But listen, you get an idea. You've been doing this for a while. I've been covering these for, you know, since I've been in the business for 20 years. I've lived in the Gulf Coast. You see the intensity of the storms increasing, and that's the science uh, definitely shows. So he's just tell he's telling that to a meteorologist out in the field. Really, it's it seems so bogus. I, I remember clearly the day the New York Times decided that global warming at that time it was uh, based on the uh, Al Gore uh, inconvenient truth uh, when they decided when the Times decided that climate change was real. And so they took out all of the conditions, all the qualifiers, not sources say what many uh, in the uh, meteorological business yeah. uh, they, It just became an absolute truth, uh, not an inconvenient truth, an absolute truth uh, in the eyes of uh, the mainstream media. And I think, you know, when you – we have weather. We have weather cycles. I, I believe the world is getting warmer. I believe that human uh, 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 interaction with the climate is – uh, affecting at least local weather, uh, but to uh, you know to make priorities based on it, uh, where where I think the science is unresolved, maybe unresolvable. Uh, I, I think you've got to have a whole new uh, paradigm, Brian. So uh, I agree. So I agree too. It's it's not uh, automatic. I mean, and the thing is too with the whole climate change and the green agenda, jamming it down people's throats before the technology's ready is anti-free market. Uh, and I don't mind subsidizing things like, for example, NASA that brings us to the moon. Then we can uh, live off that. I get it. But what we're seeing now um, and with the president's past, even though this recession looms and we might be in the middle of it and, and we're seeing what's going on with crime in this country and the collapse of the border for him to make this his agenda when it should not even be a top 10 on his top 10 list. I think is stunning to me. But in terms of going after Governor DeSantis, who's gone out of his way to not say anything bad about Biden and vice versa, that didn't stop your favorite show, The View. Cut 13. Governor DeSantis says it's all hands on deck to prepare for what's coming. And that includes reaching across the aisle for help. Isn't it socialism when the, the government helps you? Uh, and, uh, that's what they say. Like Social Security and Medicare yeah, and Medicaid and things like that. got a common. Yeah. And the police and, I mean, socialism. See, I have a slightly different take uh, on the view. I, I think that they, from the left, from the progressive side, from the... Uh, uh, you know, the, the rock and roll socialist side, they do better at it than many of the more uh, legit broadcasts. So they are, I find them entertaining. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't take it to the bank, obviously. I don't believe a lot of their points of view. I'm a Republican. Mm -hmm. I believe in enterprise. Uh, but I, I, I find Joe Behar a, a delight. I'm glad I'm not married to her. Though. Wow. I've never heard that. 
I find Joe Be- Behar, Joey Behar, a delight. <laughs> I've never, I'm, that's unbelievable to me. I, I'm she's, just, I'm she's thrown. A she's a, she's like a caricature. She's a, I think she's, she's got it down pat. Really? Apologetically. Um, a couple of things, just real quick. I want you to weigh in on Russia. Uh, and what he did today, Vladimir Putin in a speech, basically annexing a phony, uh, uh, a phony vote uh, of four areas of Ukraine. Says so that's now part of Russia. They are losing this war. They're losing their citizens. They've lost tens of thousands of people to Finland, Kazakhstan, Mongolia. People are flying out with their last dime and their belongings rather than fighting this war. What happens next? Well, you know, I found it ironic that. You had this uh, this absolutely appallingly illegal annexation of a of a sovereign country, a part of a sovereign country, uh, Russia glomming onto Ukraine. At the same time, Ukraine is winning back territory yes. on the ground. Uh, you know, so here they are. Uh, they had this phony plebiscite, even as Ukrainian forces are coming from the north and from the west. And they're going to be reconquering or recapturing their sovereign territory. Uh, you know, I think that it is Putin is very dangerous, and I fear that as he is losing, he's going to get even more dangerous, Brian. All right, uh, I, I I think it's time to double down and let the Ukrainians win, and then for at least a generation, we will not have to deal with a belligerent Russia. That's my hope, because well, if he took, yeah, it go doesn't ahead. Fall apart. I don't want Russia to fall apart, and then. Uh, you know, we deal with, uh, you know, uh, a gigantic civil war that inevitably True. spills over the borders of Russia. I don't, I don't uh, want that to happen. Either. I'm sure they got another guy that wants the job. Uh, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm sure they have several. Right. And Ra- if, Geraldo, if I was to pick any American to run Russia, I would pick you. Because I think you can control 140 million people. I'll, I'll take custody of the caviar plant. <laughs> yes, give me the fish eggs. I got to go. All right. Thanks so much, Geraldo. All right, Brian. Go get him. Uh, when we come back, I'll take your calls. Then we're going to be joined by Jimmy Glissow. I don't want him on the show, but Allison booked him and doesn't want to hurt his feelings. He's very sensitive. Uh, he's actually going to be headlining all across New York City. Does, does he have a appearance in the area? I will look that up and get or you. Or is it however... just Gutfeld? He's going to be on Gutfeld, right? Is that is that one of the reasons? He's Allison's- gonna be in Gutfeld. And the other thing is you're sort of preemptively teasing because we have Kellyanne at ten thirty four. You read the wrong line. Ugh. Sorry. I'm on the wrong hour. You're on the I wrong hour. You wanted the show to almost be over. Right. <laughs> so no wonder you correct well, no wonder you were scrambling. That's well, I really dropped the bad. headset, so it was uh, awkward. Oh. Uh Jamie Lissau, in the last hour of the show, or what a different hour of the show, depending on what hour you take at what time. When we come back, Kellyanne Conway joins me to make sense of, of this sprint towards November. For those people who thought the red wave is done, I don't see it that way. But does she? She does the polls. She'll be joining us next. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Can you tell us what this is and what effect climate change has on this phenomenon? We, we can come back and talk about climate change uh, at a later time. I want to focus on the here and now. What, what effect does climate change have on this phenomenon that, that is happening now? Because it seems these storms are intensifying. That's the question. Here. I don't think you can link climate change to any one event. Okay. Listen, I grew up there, and these storms are intensifying. Something is causing them to int- intensify. He's going to be terrible in the morning. 
I mean, when you need he, he's Don Lemon's going to the morning. So he's got this agenda. He's still got this radical left wing agenda. I mean, he sounds like Al Gore and John Kerry just off the hook. He is talking to a meteorologist who's trying to explain to people where the danger is, where the what where the storm surge is going to hit, uh, what everyone should do. And he just wants to say, oh, climate change. Every time there's a storm, it's not climate change. We never had a settled climate. I mean, uh, if you read about Jamestown, if you read about Valley Forge, all you see of uh, Valley Forge during the Revolutionary War, all these things talk about unbelievable cold, unbelievably uh, un- the hottest summer ever, the coldest winter ever. They, they write about how unseasonable it was. There were no combustion engines back then. You could debate uh, climate change, but it is a general it is a general issue that needs to be attacked in a holistic way. You don't sit there and say every storm is climate change. Oh, they're getting stronger. As was pointed out by Araldo, there was five, there was four or five hurricanes in one year. That was like 25 years ago. There was been no hurricanes in Florida. How do we know that? Uh, there's been about two over the last 10 years. How do we know? Because they can handle it. They almost don't need any federal help. And, and compared to everybody else, uh, they're a distant second. So um, so it's, I think it's, it's just pretty amazing to see people just try to uh, jam an agenda down your throat. The other shot that we played from Don Lemon, he's in water up to his knees. He's talking to a meteorologist. And he's telling that meteorologist, just sits there the whole time, he's telling the meteorologist about the weather. Now, if you want to tell about the boats that are floating by, the alligators are in the water, the reason sharks have been overflowing, okay. You want to tell people about the garages that are gone, the people that stay behind, that's what you do as a reporter. But if you're going to have a meteorologist on to tell the meteorologist that we're in the middle of a, this is the, this is the result of global warming, that's farcical. He's going to be terrible in the morning. I mean, that's going to be great news for us because Anderson Cooper failed in the morning too. This group failed in the morning as well, is about to fail too, as Don Lemon goes uh, back to mornings with, with, two other, uh, with two women, and he'll try to make it work as he loses his primetime slot. And believe me, he doesn't want to lose his primetime. As great as the mornings are, you kind of want to work one hour if you're him. You're used to doing that, maybe two. Then you go to bed when you want. You go out after work. You get up at around 10. You call in around 12. That's a lot different than... My goodness, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I got to take a shower. My goodness, I have to get to work. I got to be on the air for three hours, and I got to show personality. Well, he doesn't probably want any part of that. And believe me, with that attitude, he's not going to grow his audience because that is not settled science. And please don't fall for that. But the other big news is the Cat 4 hurricanes caused $40 billion worth of damage. The death toll is now up to 21 uh, this morning I knew there was six dead in Charlotte County, one dead in Volusia County, five dead in Lee County. And we know that, too, the first lady of the state, uh, DeSantis, her first name eludes me right now, um, Casey DeSantis, she was on with us this morning and she has formed a private fund. And they've got uh, a couple of million dollars already. Why are private funds necessary? Because you don't, you know, you have a criteria. You make sure your tax guy takes a look at it. Your accountants understand it. You put up the criteria. You set it up in a website. So when people come back and they only have the clothes on their back and no money for a hotel or meals, you could turn that around quicker. So she started that. FEMA is already in action and the water's beginning to recede. Uh, in Jacksonville, in uh, St. Augustine, in some of those surrounding counties, Orlando got hit very hard, but Disney's going to open up tomorrow. So things are going to be – it's going to be a long time to see, see Fort Myers stand up again. I mean, that looks like it was absolutely bombed. 
2.7 million without power. Though it was pretty encouraging that 450,000 got their power back. Why? A lot of it has to do with they spent the last few years investing in burying the lines. So they don't go down. And according to one of these women with Duke uh, power, she said that they've lost very few power stations, which certainly helps. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, uh, we're going to be joined by Kellyanne Conway inside the 2022 election. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Under the laws that govern these kinds of natural disasters, FEMA, the federal government, relates to the governor, and the governor relates to, uh, to all the locals. Before this event occurred, President Biden called the mayors of several large cities, Tampa, Orlando, and so forth, directly long before, several days before, he called Governor DeSantis. I thought that was an unnecessary stab at the governor. The governor, fortunately, did not rise to the bait. Uh, he went out and was very th- appreciative of, of President Biden's call, complimented FEMA on the work that they were doing in preparation for the event. But it was a sign that even, you know, in an inappropriate way, President Biden, should he should have said, had better sense than to say, you know what, before I talk to the mayors, I really ought to talk to the guy that I'm supposed to be talking to, the governor, and making certain that he has all that he needs because he's the guy who's supposed to be in touch with the mayors and the county leaders. Uh, that is called Rove weighing in on just the unfolding events, the tragedy that is that uh, Hurricane Ian that has just grinded up Fort Myers and some other cities in Florida and now heading to South Carolina. Uh, what about that? What about being politically correct? And is he being uh, showing true leadership in avoiding for four or five days even speaking to Governor DeSantis? Although I just got a report that they just spoke again. Uh, joining us now is Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne, you've seen a Republican, uh, Republican presidents, Democratic presidents during times of uh, bombings and natural and natural disaster events. Does Karl Rove have a point? He has a great point, Brian. And unfortunately, he had to make the point because we have such a petty political president in Joe Biden. It's so disappointing, especially because he called himself a unifier. Look, natural disasters, emergency relief knows no politics. It should be a nonpartisan engagement. And I worked in the Trump-Pence administration, was on the ground with uh, President Trump and the First Lady many times after hurricanes, fires, natural disasters. Uh, one time I went to Florida with uh, Vice President Pence, uh, the Second Lady Karen Pence, after they had a Cat 5 up near Tyndall Air Force Base. We went there. We were with then-Governor Rick Scott. We were with uh, then-Congressman and Republican nominee for Governor Ron DeSantis. But we met with... So many uh, first responders, mayors, uh, p- citizens, people, who, residents, we don't walk around asking them their political party, did you vote for us? How could, you just help. You just get in there and you help. And, you know, that the, the mayor of San Juan that time politicized everything. You have a president of the United States now. Your job as a president of the United States is to make sure that you prepare and that you coordinate all hands on deck, the resources that are available to people who are suffering. And we see them suffering it is no time for people in positions of authority and power who can actually help the people to be doing anything 
but exactly that. I want you to hear what President Biden said a couple of days ago. I just thought this was totally unnecessary, cut nine. And by the way, Kellyanne Conway's got a great book out, brings us inside those four years, especially at the White House. Here's the deal. Listen to, listen to President Biden. This is to, totally out of nowhere. Cut nine. Mr. Forgive me, I want to add one more warning. That's warning to the oil and gas industry executives. Do not. Let me repeat. Do not. Do not use this as an excuse to raise gasoline prices or gouge the American people. What, what is the, are you They're bad guys again? You're trying to destroy the whole industry? Demand that you refine more? Deplete our, 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 our strategic reserves? And then vilify them again for no reason? There's absolutely no reason, except he's trying to score political points with the climate activists. Uh, look what the Inflation Reduction Act provided just for climate. Inflation Reduction Act, we know, Brian, it doesn't reduce inflation, doesn't do what it says. It, it, all those investments in climate, he's also afraid that he's not in touch with young people, that he's going to be challenged by some of the younger crowd, like a Pete Buttigieg for president. Who cares about all of that? Here's a, here's a president of the United States, commander-in-chief, decimating and denigrating, castigating an entire industry that is responsible for billions of dollars in, in income, in, in wealth generation for many people in many communities, and employs tens of thousands, if not more, people across this country. So this is the same guy who key, killed the Keystone Pipeline on day one and the 42,000 jobs that were estimated to go with it, killed our energy independence. We were a net exporter of natural gas and oil. Folks, that's not a coincidence. That's called causation. You pass the right policies, that's what you get. You unravel those policies. Because of spite, not even ideological difference, Brian, because of spite, and this is where we are. But for him to say, let me warn you one more time, and then Uh. be flown around on Air Force One. Do you know what he did for Earth Day in 2022? He flew from Washington, D.C. to Washington State. Now, how, what was that carbon footprint to go talk about Earth Day? He went to vote. It's supposed to be, he wants everybody, supposed to be so easy to vote and hard to cheat, so easy to vote and hard to cheat. He took a whole entourage and flew to Delaware, Brian, to vote a couple weeks ago. So this is, look, this is part and parcel of the entire Democratic ethos right now, which is don't believe what you see, believe what I say. And people know what they see, and they see a president who's constantly picking winners and losers, whether it's the student loan stuff, $420 billion to tell the welders and carpenters and hairdressers and pipe fitters of the world you should pay for the lawyers, doctors, and business owners, businessmen. No. And now this telling the oil and gas people, quote, warning them that he's going to go after them. He's a bully. Kellyanne Conway, you recognize your voice uh, joining us now. A couple of things, you know, there are things that you plan for and there's strategies that you implement and you do for a living. And there's sometimes things that happen that tack to you or away from you. It looks like between the economy, between the sudden awakening we have at the broken border and the border wars that are taking place, and first and foremost, crime and inflation, these are issues that the Republicans have been uh, sidelined and we can only sit back and watch. They can only sit back and watch the after effects. These issues are breaking the Republicans direction with about a month and a half to go. Don't you agree? Uh, They are. They absolutely are. Look, the Democrats want the entire election to be about abortion, climate and January 6th. They wake up every morning and their calendar says January 6th, 2021. By the way, a very dark day in our nation's history, a terrible day. And I say about that day what I say about every day. Brian, if somebody broke the law, uh, arrest them, prosecute them, let them know what their fate is, and let's get going here. But every single day on their calendar is January 6, 2021. And you know what this country says? No. Every day on my calendar is, is October 6, November 6, December 6. The rent is due. The car payment is due. The tuition payment is due. 
the mortgage payment is due, and I can't do it. People are white-knuckled and worried about paying their utility bills, their insurance bills. The gas and grocery conversation is an important one, but it's a six-month-old example. Now people are looking at this winter with great trepidation. We're doing focus groups and polling daily, and we hear and we see from people. Do you know, Brian, one of the fastest-growing new groups of homeless in our country are single moms who have a job. Let that sink in, everyone. Really? They're single moms who have a job. They get behind two months in their rent, and they're out. And the Washington Post ran a whole article about it. We have to think about that, folks. So, sure, the Republicans have this commitment to America. It works for job creators. It works for job seekers. But it really works, Brian Kilmeade, for the majority of American households, which are job holders. And you know what people are saying? Hey, we have two, three jobs in our house. We're not even worried about losing the job or, or replacing the lost job. We're wondering when the heck the job became not enough. Not enough to pay all the bills, to meet our our necessary expenses, to live, not luxuries, to live. So inflation, education, crime, rising costs, rising crime, two top issues everywhere around this country. The drugs that are pouring in, 18 to 45-year-olds, number one killer, fentanyl. People know what the issue set is. And you know what, Brian? I don't know why and how and when this got so complicated. This is the most straightforward, uncomplicated issue set going into a midterm election I've ever seen. I've been doing this for decades. It's, it's very straightforward. The Democrats want it to be about abortion. That's important to many voters, but it's nowhere near inflation, economy, crime, and even education. Let me say one last thing on education. Republicans have a tremendous opportunity on that issue for the first time ever in polling. The Republican Party is tied or just a little bit behind the Democrats on which party do you trust more to handle education. We've been losing the Democrats 18, 20, 22 points for years on the issue of education, but screen time is school time. Your kitchen island has a classroom for just a little too long. Uh, these kids with the lost learning, the mental health challenges, all of the above, the, the parents say, I have a fundamental right to say where my kid goes to school and what is taught there. And you know what? Republicans have a great opportunity to broaden and deepen the conversation to school choice, charter schools, educational freedom, opportunity scholarships. This is our moment to say every kid in this country deserves access to a quality, affordable education worthy of their dignity and humanity. You can't find a single Democrat Mm -hmm. in the federal Congress, Brian, not one, who's for school choice, charter schools. They're all against it. That's a disgrace. All these kids of every background deserve to get out of failing schools and let the money follow them. Republicans should run on that issue as well. This commitment to America is terrific. It says four things. A nation that is safe, an economy that is strong, a future that is free, and a government that's accountable. This should be non-controversial and nonpartisan. It's not a bunch of pablum and sound bites. It's specific. It's meaty. But it's only 500 words. So it's digestible, it's accessible, and it's all doable. Wow, you have it down. Uh, so let's go inside some of the races. Uh, Dr. Oz is within four points with Fetterman. Uh, he was down 10 in the middle of August. He's closing the gap. And I think on uh, I think that some pure merit, Fetterman's been exposed not only with his stroke, but he goes light on crime. He's pro-pot. He's not pro-cop. Uh, and now he's scrubbing his website of Black Lives Matter. Is there a degree of panic on that side? This guy doesn't seem to fit the prototype of what Pennsylvanians want anyway. Is he just being exposed right now, or is Oz getting better? I think both are, both of the above. I think Oz has really improved as a candidate. I'm trying to help him as you know, non-paid advisor. I think he's done a much better job taking the case to John Fetterman. And my view of that race has always been, if the race is about Mehmet Oz, he can win, but it will be harder. If the race is about John Fetterman, Oz will absolutely win. 
And we were doing focus groups in suburban Philadelphia recently. You know what we heard from people? All we showed them, these they're, uh, they were persuasion underperformers, as we called them. All we heard from them was, well, I think, you know, I feel badly for Fetterman. So do I. I hope he has a full recovery from a stroke. But, Brian, has he? We have a right to know. Do you have the energy and the acuity to do these jobs? But more importantly with Fetterman is you don't need any spooky music, any narration for these ads. All you need is John Fetterman on the screen in his own words. He said, and I quote, it only takes five seconds. He said, and I quote, you can reduce the prison population by up to a third and no one would be less safe. So that's five seconds. You run that sucker five times, times five seconds in a 30-second ad, you don't need narration. Nobody's going to be able to say, oh, you know, these focus group participants, they didn't say, oh, well, you cut it, you doctored it, he is having a bad day. They're like, oh, my God, does he really believe that? And guess what? You said John Fetterman does not fit the prototype for Pennsylvania. Guess what, folks? He's already the number two guy there. He is the lieutenant governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. He should be held to account to eat and own not only all the Biden-Harris failings of the National Democratic Party, Brian, but he should be made to eat and own all the failings of the Tom Wolf, John Fetterman administration. The lockdowns, he said it was absolutely essential to keep the kids locked down. They locked down the businesses. Here's a guy who thought it was funny to take down the American flag and put up the marijuana flag in his office in the state house. It's not funny. And he should be held to account. They're now trying to say they're for funding the police. Uh, here's a guy, like you said, he scrubbed his website of Black Lives Matter. They're worried because they know suburban right. women who did vote Democrat in 2020, they know that these women are worried about rising costs and rising crime, very upset about what's happening with education, and the Democrats have no good answer for that. So I think Oz is doing much better. He's a good candidate. Um, and then, look, I, what I just said to you about the Pennsylvania race, I would apply to all these races. In Georgia, Herschel Walker's doing much better, comfortable on the stump. He's funny. He's, he's himself. But let me tell you something. Raphael Warnock, the current senator, that guy is crazy. Go, go listen to the things he has said. Look at the votes he's cast. He's voted for, for all these nonsense things, spending trillions of dollars of money we don't have on things we don't need that we haven't asked for. If that race is about Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker wins. If the race in Nevada with Adam Laxalt, if it's about that Democratic female senator with three names and no accomplishments, Adam Laxalt wins. Right. Got to be about the Democrats. Got to be about the incumbents. You got to make these people eat and own all the Biden failures. And Brian, listen, I know it's easy and it's somewhat amusing to make fun of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's obvious, you know, difficulty with a teleprompter, difficulty speaking, let alone inspiring. But guess what? The, the art of politics is not to tell people what they can see. Everybody right. can see that. The art of politics is telling what they can't see. When I think of Joe Biden, I think of 13 dead service members, a guy with no plan, ignoring his generals, pulling us out of that Afghanistan. What's the point of having a female vice president, a female vice president, if the women in Afghan are less free? Too quick. I only have, uh, only have 45 seconds. Balduck and uh, Blake Masters. What could you tell us about those races? Uh, I think they're Balduck in New Hampshire. Yep, Bulldog in New Hampshire against Maggie Hassan, whose uh, disapproval rating is a majority. Her strong disapproval is 41% among independents. And she's just been there so long. Listen, this is a woman six years ago. She won that Senate seat with like three-tenths of a percentage point. So she should be very vulnerable. And the Republicans have to rally around Bulldog. They have to come together and get him over the finish line. He, he's got to run his race uh, against Maggie Hassan. He's going to say, this person, pretend she's independent. She's quoted as saying, Joe Biden's not involved in my race. I'm running my own race. Joe Biden's very involved with your race, lady. You vote with him 98% of the time. He's very involved in your race. And fentanyl right. and the drug crisis in New Hampshire is terrible. Blake Masters got to make an issue of Mark Kelly. There's a guy also, don't let him skate free, as the guy who's moderate. No, he's not. He votes with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris every single time. He voted to spend money we don't have on things we don't need. Arizona deserves right. better. 
I just saw, I, I'm not sure what kind of energy Masters has. I know that Oz will not be at work, and Bulldog is is relentless. But I, I've not seen much of Blake Masters, and I think the President Trump has got to start writing checks to the people he endorsed. Uh, I mean, so he's got a new super PAC to do that. And let me tell you something. He wants to support them, that, that support them financially and otherwise. I think his endorsement is a, is a big piece of gold for them. But let me say this, Brian, to tie up what you just said. This is incredibly important. People don't talk about it enough. People, Donald Trump endorses a candidate, and some of these candidates, then they fall asleep. They don't do what he did to win, which is run around and meet with the people. Okay, you're talking about not being at work. Nobody's going to outwork Donald Trump in 2016, or Mike Pence, too, for that matter. They did five, six, seven, toward the end, eight, nine stops a day. They were indefatigable. No, I and hear if you. you do that, you got to do, do it. you got to go you think where Trump people will, are and connect with the people. Do you think Trump will write a check out of the super PAC? I think he's got $100 million there. They just started a new super PAC this week to do exactly that. They're committing money to the candidates through this new super PAC oh. to do exactly that. Oh, okay. Did not know that. Yeah. Uh, Kellyanne, congratulations on the success of your book. Pick it up. It's called Here's the Deal. Thanks, Kellyanne Conway. Thank you so much. You got it. When we come back, your calls one 408 7669 And don't forget One Nation, queuing up Saturday at 8 o'clock, repeated at 11. Newsmakers and newsbreakers, hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Oh, I think it's quite significant um, in the sense that reliable reports, Jonathan, say 200,000, 300,000, maybe more Russian men of military age, which, by the way, is pretty elastic in Russia. Uh, they'd be willing to take old, grizzled Admiral Stavridis to go to the <laughs> front lines at this point. That's how desperate they are. So bottom line, uh, this does not augur well for his efforts. And I'll conclude with this. Um, that kind of outflow of your personnel is not only a loss of manpower and productivity, it's a huge brain drain. These are going to be the smart people, the ones who access the Internet, who understand what's going on. They're not going back to Russia. I know you have a lot going on. We're all focused on the hurricane. But keep on mind, cataclysmic events are taking place between Ukraine and Russia. Uh, Their country is running for the hills. The brain drain is taking place. There was an annexing of four provinces, which I don't even believe Russia can hold. And now, Allison, what just happened? Uh. President Zelensky um, said that Ukraine will submit an accelerated application to join NATO. Um, He said, we're taking our decisive step by signing Ukraine's application for accelerated accession to NATO. So, Yeah, Bush 43 wanted them in. If they got in, this probably wouldn't have happened. Number one. Number two is NATO does, it seems, lukewarm before this about signing them up. And the European Union also has their application. They certainly are showing that there would not be a liability. They will fight, clearly. Brian Kilmeade From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show at 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan in New York, but heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, this hour, we're going to be joined by comedian Jamie Lissau. You see Jamie all over uh, Gutfeld shows and all over the country, uh, headlining, just fantastic guy. He'll be with us shortly, uh, riding the news. 
And uh, standing by is Fox News Network host, Fox News Sunday. She's a network woman now. I'm surprised she's still doing our show. We're truly honored. Shannon Bream will be here shortly. And we're following all the horrible results of what happened with uh, Hurricane Ian, which is now setting its sights on and supposed to come across about 1 o'clock today in South Carolina. It is not done yet. It went from Cat 4 to Tropical Storm back to Hurricane. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. What we're going to see is some kind of horizontal escalation. In other words, instead of using the conventional troops on the ground, which are failing, he will move to a carpet bombing other parts of Ukraine. He could conceivably go to a chemical weapon. Uh, yes, uh, that is Admiral Stavid is talking about the fast-moving events over in Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, annexing went on with four regions they had no business doing and making a part of Russia. Nobody will recognize it as tens of thousands of young Russian men head to the borders rather than go get conscripted and fight a war. We'll bring you the latest. Number two. Having a poll lead in June or July or August is pretty irrelevant. What matters is the final stretch. And races tighten, and that's what we're seeing right now. It's tightening in favor of Republicans. No doubt, because the issues are attacking their direction, immigration, crime, education, and the economy. We'll discuss it. Number one. This could be the deadliest hurricane in Florida's history. The numbers of still are still unclear, but we're hearing early reports of what may be substantial loss of life. Uh, That is President of the United States talking about Hurricane Ian. He has just called the governor again, so he and DeSantis are talking. Uh, We're talking historic and enduring. We're going to look at the damage being done with somebody that grew up in Florida. Shannon Bream, welcome. Uh, Fox News Sunday, of course, your best-selling books are out there. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, of course, no one has to tell you about Florida. You grew up there. Yeah, seventh-generation Floridian, and it's so hard to watch these things. I mean, there's still parts of the panhandle reeling from Michael. I mean, thank God they did not get the direct hit. But for those who did on the west coast of Florida, um, there's still people I can't get in touch with. And we told ourselves before the storm, listen, you're going to lose power. You're probably going to lose some cell service. Let's not panic if we can't get each other. But, you know, as time goes on, you really worry about people. Um, Most of my family is high and dry, safe and sound. But there are people there that this isn't just a matter of days or weeks. This is going to be months or years of trying to rebuild. Something's lost for good. And um, it's always encouraging to see, you know, local, state, and federal working together, putting aside politics. That's the way we should operate in these situations. And um, it seems to be that's the case now as, you know, the Carolinas have to watch for their turn at this. And the coordination seems to be working well across all levels. Well, what can you tell me about uh, Fort Myers in particular seems to have gotten it the worst. Uh, Where did you grow up? I grew up in, well, South Florida um, for the first half of my childhood. And then when I was in high school, we moved to Tallahassee. So I've I've gotten hit at both ends of the state. I practiced law in Tampa and so was living in the center part of the state there. So that's why I've got a lot of friends that are involved this time around. And I have friends in Fort Myers, like I said, that we can't find yet. And just hoping and praying that they are safe. But when you look at the devastation, um, it's really difficult. And the problem is Florida, you know, you face this all the time. You get used to the drill of boredom. Boarding up, 
you know, filling up the bathtub with water, you know, disconnecting, uh, you know, bringing in patio furniture, like you do the whole thing. But there's some people have gotten a little hardened to it. I mean, you go through these storms so many times, you think, "Ah, I can ride this out. But when there is something of this level, a four or a five, like nobody should stick around. And those evacuation orders aren't meant to be inconvenient. They're meant to actually save your life. And hopefully for millions of people, that's been the case as they were able to go away from those coastlines. Uh, so I want you to hear, uh, in terms of uh, being hit, Naples got really uh, yeah. uh, drenched. Here's what Teresa Heitman said, the mayor. Cut five. It's devastating, but I know that we don't have the devastation like our northern friends have. Um, I feel really um, honored that I had the mayor from Miami, Mayor Suarez, call me. I've had uh, Kevin Luang, the commissioner from Fort Myers call. They had no water. Uh, We shut down our water and sewer plant for a while to protect any type of intrusion into our water system. And uh, I really feel blessed because we, um, even though I saw today more devastation and I saw floods yesterday like I've never seen before, City Hall was covered um, at least eight feet and it looked like there was a moat around City Hall. And I so you got an idea. You know what Naples looks like. We've been there together doing yeah. events for Brett mm-hmm. Bear, and he was, and obviously he knows it quite well. So Naples builds buildings, but they all, and Shannon, correct me if I'm wrong here, in Florida they have to build them to withstand a Cat 4 or Cat 5 hurricane, mm-hmm. right? You can't build a new building without these codes. Right, and that's the thing. The newer buildings will be clearly in the best shape. They have the best chance, but there are building codes, especially along the coast, you know, there, this is not a haphazard thing, and people know when they build and when they buy and they live there, this is a very real threat that every few years you're going to have to really brace yourself for. But it's the older buildings and some of the, you know, the little beach shack restaurants and places that have been there forever that really um, are wiped out at this point. Um, a lot of that building is pre-new um, codes. And so that's the stuff that absolutely you see looks like a matchbox, just sticks that, um, you know, is not going to survive this stuff and has not survived this. But when you see people, you know, with alligators swimming down the street and boats on top of people's houses, I mean, this is just something that we as humans are powerless against when these storms roll in. Um, and now you have to to count on the goodness of, you know, neighbors and friends and local, state and federal officials who are flooding in there. And, you know, there are a lot of private groups too, like Samaritan's Purse and World Help and um, the Red Cross that are flooding in there that were standing by and were ready. So it's just a matter of in places where there's standing water, it's going to be hard to get to people where there's a bridge washed out. That's going to be tough. You're going to have to use boats to get to people. It's just going to take a lot of time and patience. And for some people, they don't have a lot of time and patience when you're dealing with being without medication, being without electricity. Um, the images just tell the story. Yeah, but sim- you know, almost the same similar challenges we had with the pandemic when it comes to seniors, too. Uh, we're mm-hmm. watching now in South Carolina. It's getting pretty rough there. It looks like it's about 7 o'clock at night, and we know it's not. So just to understand that things, and I know you'll be discussing this on Fox News Sunday, a lot of people say, and this is proof it's climate change, like all these people, cut 11. Decades ago, it used to be one or two a season would happen. Now with climate change and these extreme warm waters, it's almost, you know, it's happening all the time. This storm, in a way, is kind of bad news for the people that are still trying to deny climate change as a factor. Florida Republicans deny climate change as a monster storm barrels towards the coast. This will be a first-time test uh, for how you adapt to these new storms. 
And that's climate. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But you're saying we all know there was there was a lot of hurricanes before Al Gore yeah. was really thinking about running for vice uh, for president. Yeah, and there have been. It's very easy to go back through the history books and see that there have been incredibly devastating storms. And there have been seasons where, you know, you've had name storm after name storm after name storm. Actually, recently, the the numbers have been better when you look at the actual storms that are named, come to fruition, and hit. Um, and I think all of this is cyclical. If you want to look back, just hard data, um, it's very easy for people to do that and, and just fact check for themselves about this. But unfortunately, these monster storms have existed as long as we've been keeping track and they will continue to happen. And, um, you know, we've had a couple of seasons that weren't as bad in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think people just have to look the broader term, sort of the tracking of the storms and their, their impact over the years. And they can see that, you know, it's very cyclical. Um, and, I, you know, you've seen a number of people, even those who are in uh, the climate change discussion and who are, you know, weather experts say, let's not talk about that right now. Let's, you know, it's easy to try to make politics about something when there's a blizzard or when there's a hurricane. Um, but really what we've got to focus on are the people on the ground. I would think so. Uh, but when you look at let's look at politics for a second. I know uh, as the days go by, it'll be about recovery and about re- be, uh, being rebuild, uh, rebuilding. But one thing is pretty clear. No one's moving November 8th. And I'll see what the issues are between crime, between education, between the economy and inflation. These issues tack, uh, tack towards Republicans. A dramatic change when abortion was overwhelming everything uh, and the president had a few pieces of legislation he felt good about in the summer. Do you sense there's a political change right now? You know, it's interesting. I talked to somebody yesterday who is at the very top of all of this with the Republican Party. Not only the polls that we have out, which show these races tightening, but they've got a lot of internal stuff in state by state, district by district. And they're cautiously, very, very guardedly optimistic. They still think they have a chance at flipping the Senate. So the House obviously seems comfortable for the Republicans that they will have a win there. It's a matter of what the margin ends up being. But on the Senate side, you know, these races are tricky, and Republicans will say we have tricky candidates and in some of these races that make a big difference. Um, but when we look at what people really care about, you see it, we all see it, the number one thing in polling is still the economy and inflation. And people tend to punish the party in power when they're personally not doing well. So we'll see if that holds true. We know crime is big. Both sides are trying to argue this is the issue they own, although Republicans have the advantage on polling when it's asked people who they trust on these issues. Issues. Um, abortion, of course, abortion voters tend to lean uh, much more to the Democratic side of the ticket and say that they're very engaged and have a lot of enthusiasm right now. So turnout's going to be everything. Um, that enthusiasm gap, it's interesting because it favored the Republicans earlier in the year. It tightened up. There's a slight advantage to Democrats now. Um, so it's all about who actually gets out there and shows up. You know, some states are already voting and there are places where you haven't had a single debate yet. So, uh, you know, voters have a lot to digest in the next six weeks. Let's. Uh, do you have your guest list out? I do. We're going to have FEMA Director Deanne Criswell with us, obviously, as we take stock of what's happening in Florida and then through the Carolinas and Georgia as well. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp is with us. We have invited Stacey Abrams. We think she's going to be with us very soon as well um, to talk about his tough race and that tight Senate race there, too, Warnock and uh, Herschel Walker there. So um, we're going to look at new polls, and there's a ton happening on the foreign policy front, too, with Russia, this annexation, um, the nuclear threat. So it's going to be a very busy Sunday. I hope you'll join us. I don't know if you can get in this in one hour. I mean, do you, have I mean, you thought, do you know you only have an hour show? 
I heard that, but, you know, I might do a Brian Kilmeade and just do like 18 hours of TV and radio per day. But I have to take breaks. I don't think you can run commercials. I mean, you have too many people. (laughs) Do I have to call somebody and tell them they're canceled? No, but if you do, then we'll add you to the show. Listen, I'm waiting for my call. I keep my Sundays wide open. All I do is I sit there and I stare at my uh, my um, my hardline phone because no, I just wait. Because and your and your adorable puppy dogs. But listen, I know you're in the bullpen. You're ready. If we That's all I call. need in case there's okay. an injury. All right, seconds. listen, Shannon, we'll be watching. I'll see you Sunday. All right, when we come back, I'll be able to take some of your calls. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We're watching developments overseas. We're seeing what's happening in South Carolina and trying to figure out where we go from here. Uh, in Fort Myers. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Keep in mind, Saturday night, countdown starts, 8 o'clock, One Nation. One of my guests, Dr. Oz. Why is he surging? We'll find out. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I'm here at FEMA headquarters to thank Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, Commandant of the Coast Guard, Fagan, and the Commanding General of the Army Corps of Engineers, Lieutenant General Spellman, and the FEMA Administrator, who's become the MVP here these days. I spent a lot of time in this room. Uh, uh, Griswell uh, of FEMA and the an entire workforce, and many other federal agencies that are working together here. Griswold. It's nice to call a woman by her last name for the first time. Uh, that is a little uh, terrible week that Joe Biden's having. Uh, Jamie Lissau is with us now. He's an actor and comedian, and he's also just hearing that for the first time. Are you not hearing? Are you not hearing, Jamie? Are you not plugged in? I'm not hearing. He's okay. not hearing. All right. We'll figure it out. So basically, we had a situation where uh, – well, it's right there to the right. You got it? Okay. Yeah. It's Okay. Uh, this is on Fox Nation, by the way, and it's why everyone can't get it. it. Well, all you have to do is listen to me, actually, Jamie. Yeah, that's so that's true. I don't yeah. even need it. I mean, it's not like I have somebody else on the line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not even opening up the phones right now. Right. So if you just listen to me for a second, you're panicking. Oh, this giant knob, the giant volume knob. Oh, that's all. I'm sorry. Right. Ryan. So, so, Jamie, the, the president got the FEMA directors wrong. Mm-hmm. And he also was looking for somebody who passed away tragically. Who he called their family. He was looking for them in the audience. Yeah, that was uh, that was awkward. Brian, do you think it's possible that like dead people can talk to each other, and that's why? Maybe. I mean, would that be James, Jimmy? If you were the press secretary, would that would how you'd handle it? Because the current press secretary saying he was thinking of her, it wasn't really the best answer in crisis management. That was. Like, that's another level of BS artist. Can we just call it BS artist, the press secretary? Brian, if she had said, we're reasonable guys, if she had said, yeah, he messed up, it was a slip, he's got a lot going on, he was up last night preparing, I let it go. But for her to double down and say, she just kept saying it was top of mind, she just kept saying this phrase like it's a phrase anyone's ever used in that context For anyone who missed this, listen to this. This is President uh, Joe Biden, cut 16. And I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Where's Jackie? I didn't think she was, she was going to be here. 
Yeah, I didn't think she. I just the more you live, I didn't think she was going to be here because she she yeah. passed away a month ago in a brutal car accident. It's a legitimate reason to not be able to go to his speech. Right. I mean, like, you don't have to make anything up. So here's the spin that you were talking about. Cut 17. I think people can understand. I think the American people out there who, you know, watch the briefing uh, from time to time, maybe at this moment, will understand when someone is at top of mind. We don't talk much about bipartisan actions that we see in Congress at this time. And as he was naming folks, he, she was on top of mind, and he <laughs> understands and knew so that she was, he was going to see uh, you can lose uh, it, her Josh. family. You, you, what I mean is that how is that how Jamie is that how you would handle this situation? I'm going to be honest with you. This is maybe revealing too much, but I had this. Uh, I'm just going to say I had an ex girlfriend right. who was a compulsive liar. Really, and this reminded me of it. It'd be like like I would go, "Hey, did you have a guy? Was there a guy here when I was out of town? No, there wasn't a guy here." And I go, "My friend said." He saw a guy leave the house. Well, I mean, a guy left the house, but there was, you know, you asked. If a guy, <laughs> like, no matter no matter what you say. She would roll with it and never go like, I'm sorry, you're right. Like it, and it reminded me of that. Right. Because I would have just, just told that you wouldn't just tell the truth. I, w- I would. Well, I have trouble telling this. For you and your relationship, I would, if I was her, yeah. I would have told the truth. I would yeah. say that, you're, uh, Jamie, I'm breaking up with you. And uh, if uh, please don't cry in the house because he's still here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So, so, she is a spin arsenal. I feel like if Biden, like, pooped his pants on stage she would go hey he's trying to save time he's productive we don't have time to go to the bathroom he's trying to work for the people right uh i think you know what i really think i think it was in the copy because he was reading along it says braun senator booker representative jack was jackie here mm-hmm. he knew there was a so he is someone is does she care more about the speechwriter's reputation right. than the president i would have thrown that dude under the bus if that yeah. was possible right absolutely even if literally under the bus yeah literally you, you would not like him to survive <laughs> yeah that was it would have to be an electric bus though, yeah because it's it's all it's a green energy administration hey listen when we come back jamie will let us know the 16 dates that he put in front of me including <laughs> A couple in New York that you're going to love. He's going to be at Foxwoods October 1st. That's tomorrow. Do you know that? Yeah. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. To a rolling left. With the grain and down he goes. Slung down in his own 48-yard line. Josh Tupu. And, uh-oh. Well, we saw him last week, and he went down. He got up. It was wobbly. The training staff comes out. And, of course, the last thing the Dolphins wanted to see. I mean, last week it looked for all the world. Everybody thought head injury, concussion, passed the protocol, came back second half, led him to a victory. And, and, and Al Tupo slams him to the ground. So what happened is, uh, to a... Uh, who's basically used to having a career year. Everyone said that he's overrated. They never should have drafted him. The other coach got fired because he wanted to use him. And now he's having this great start. Well, two week, uh, last Sunday, he got hit so hard, he walked, and then he f- fell almost flat on his face. Then he got up again and almost fell. He stayed in the game. He'd gone out of the game. Uh, he stayed in the game, would finish it off, and they'd win. He said, well, I had a bruised back. Well, after this hit, he almost looked like he was paralyzed. Yeah. And uh, Jamie Glissow is here. And, uh, Jamie, this was on Amazon, so a lot of people d- figured to themselves, okay, I've I got to figure out how to work this. Uh, but now we're missing Thursday Night Football. A lot of people go, how do you do this? You know, your smart TV is right. confusing to some. What's your reaction to this? 
Yeah, I can I can barely watch the video. I st- I feel like as a forty year old man, I feel like I just turned forty seven years ago. But um, <laughs> I feel like it's he. I feel like he needs people looking out for him because if you're in your twenties and someone says you get out there and play, I think he's gonna play. Like I don't know if he knows. I think we needed the NFL n- neurologist to say like take a break. It's just I hate. It's horrifying for me to watch. I think it's terrible that he's there. It's it's beyond. It's just football. Like, so so here here's the thing. There is there is a concussion protocol over what's happened over the last ten years with head injuries and the suicides that took place. There's yeah. plaque that builds up in the brain after a series of hits. It's like a nonstop car accident. So when you get a concussion, you can't touch. You're out. You have no choice. Right. It's not up to you. And it looks like Miami bypassed the protocol mm-hmm. twice. So, I mean, the, to put him back in the game on Thursday and leave him in the game on Sunday, right. this is a team that's already being sanctioned by making a move, move to get Tom Brady. Evidently, there was this ring and thing in place you never thought was true. To get Brady from the Bucks, make him a part owner, but let him finish out his career in the Dolphins. Really? He had a team. That's called tampering. Right. So they're being fined, and he almost got suspended. And now you have this happening, and they had the, another coach accuse him of racism uh, for firing him because he's black, which is uh, uh, Brian Flores. You know about that. So now you have this on top of that. So Miami can't do – it always seems to be getting itself in trouble. Yeah. You know I feel bad for? I feel bad for the uh, backup quarterback. He's like, you guys, could I play? And they're like, nah, we're going to risk this guy's life. That's how much, <laughs> ah, this is, so much better this, is this guy's in you. He's got a brain injury, yeah. and we'd but still we're gonna rather give him go a shot. with him. Yeah. We're going to stay with him. Yeah, but you guys, my head feels fine. I could get in there. They're like, nah, we're going to. And Teddy Bridgewater did go in, and they did lose uh, 27-15. Yeah. So to the Cincinnati Bengals, who won again. So Jamie's here. Jamie's going to be doing uh, Gutfeld. You did Gutfeld last night. Yep. And then you're going to, well, you did Omaha. Are you going to go to? I'm going to Foxwoods this weekend with Greg Gutfeld on so October 1st. Yeah, Foxwoods. And you've never worked with Greg on stage, have you? I have not. So what do you, you don't even know what he wants you to do? I don't. I just said, yeah. I, I just said, uh, for my, um, comedy's been hard for me. So when someone offers me a gig, I just have an auto reply that says, I'll take it. <laughs> and so I don't know what this gig entails. I think I'll just be doing an opening set. Right. And then I know we're doing some kind of fun meet and greet. And I saw a video of the last show Are you show afraid he did. of him or something? Like, why wouldn't you ask? Why wouldn't you say, well, what do you want me to do? Like, does he, does he put fear in you? No, I just, I don't want to ask a lot of questions. I'm a terrible, like, negotiator. Just everything. I go, yeah, I'll do. I w-. It's my birthday. And I was supposed to be in Des Moines, Iowa, which nothing against Des Moines. Do you think as I as you get older, I feel like guys will go. Ah, it's a birthday. Who cares? I think we care a tiny bit. <laughs> so that I think we care a tiny bit. And so, like, I think I'm so excited to be with Greg on my birthday. I was just like, I'm in. Let's do it. And so, but I should follow up because it's tomorrow. Right. I'm, again, doing. I'm not your manager. Yeah. But with the follow up question is, what do you want me to do? I don't think it's right. too. Uh, right. There's no arrogance there. I think people would say. Uh, Necessary. Yeah, I should follow up with a question. Right. Uh, we'll play this back and maybe you can learn from it. Uh, so on the 13th, is you going to take off for two weeks after that? It's a two-week celebration for your birthday? So, I'm, so my next gig is on the 13th. I'm very, I don't know. Well, well you're going to do Wise Guys in Salt Lake City? Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out what am I doing that week in between. I am taking that. Yeah, I'm going to see my kids All for right. one week. All right. You just realize that? Yes, I just realized that. And they're in Alaska. They're in Alaska. And so, yes, October 13th, I'm at the Wise Guys in Salt Lake City. And I believe October 15th is this place called CB Live in Phoenix, Arizona. Both of them, I think, big uh, big uh, Fox markets is what I'm hearing. Oh, Arizona yeah. Phoenix. Oh, absolutely. Phoenix and Salt Lake City would be huge. In fact, Ainsley was just there for her book. Uh, right there, the children's book that you wanted to write that you've kind of stole your idea. Oh. So glad you were born. 
And um, she was just in Salt Lake City. They sold out uh, right away. Wow. Right. And uh, all she has to do is show up and talk. You have to actually be funny. Yeah. This is so cool. My, uh, my parents actually collaborated on a book called I, I Wish You Weren't Born. Which is, and, which is uh, So you are going to sue different. her then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a different theme. It kind of ends sad. We all cry at the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that would be very interesting if Ainsley and you were ever on the same panel because I would still use that joke. That would – in fact, I would ask Greg. Just, yeah. I would love to do it with Ainsley just for that joke. Yeah, the whole book is them, my parents not following their dreams. <laughs> and having you ruin them. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had big dreams <laughs> and then you were born. Yeah, exactly. I'm not telling you what to do. It's your dream. Uh, October 15th at CB Live in Phoenix, Arizona, on the yeah. 20th to 22nd in Jacksonville, Florida. They love Fox in Jacksonville. Oh, awesome. That's a cool club. Where are you in Jacksonville? It's called the Comedy Zone. Where is that? It's in, uh, I don't, all I know is Because I know that area. I don't know if you remember, but I don't ask follow-up questions. I know, when that's I get true. November 3rd, uh, Levity Live in West Nyack. And then, wow, you're going to work right through, right up to Election Day. Are you going to work on Election Day coverage? I, w- I better be... Asked to do right. something. You and Hammer at the board. Yeah. Uh, and then you go to the Funny Bone November 4th and 5th. Uh, and November 10th, the 13th, you're going to be off the hook in Naples, Florida. Let's hope they're they're better by now. Yeah, I just talked to someone over there because I was just worried. And they're, they're, he said the venue's okay, but it's a disaster area. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the richest area in the country. So they obviously people have wherewithal to get. And they also can afford the insurance. Yeah. So yeah. it's so interesting because I have a house in Florida. And every time I call the insurance... One of the options is if you're here to complain about the the rise in insurance rates, hit a number. Wow. I'm going, wow, because I just got them. I didn't know they were ever low. <laughs> I just thought they were astronomically high. But that, they must have had to double them or triple them. Wow. So now, I mean. That's some self-awareness that they have a press this button to complain about. Right. We know you're not going to be happy. I mean, basically, uh, go ahead, yell. I mean, they're not going to negotiate with you. It's probably yeah. more of a site. Do you think it's more of a therapist on the other end? It might be. <laughs> I heard if you call the Dolphins, they go, press six if you got a concussion and we put you in by mistake. Right. And that it's would right be this one guy. That's how often. Right. We'll see how he is. This guy could be done for the season. I know. It's really it's really, uh, it's really, really tragic. What's I interesting, he... you chose that. I gave you a couple of options on news stories. You chose that. And then you go, but I'm not a sportsman. Yeah, I don't get involved with sports until something like this happens. Until it's... I just feel like there's a – what do I know? But I th- I just think at certain points in our life when we're in our 20s or 30s, I think we sometimes put too much of a priority on things we don't realize might not – football might not mean anything to this – hate to say it, but football might not mean anything to this guy in 10 years. Like, right. if you, like my favorite UFC fighters, they quit in their prime – to become announcers or actors. Or, and it's really hard because they're crushing it. They're making money. And it takes a special kind of person, I think, to look at the big view and go, I want to have kids and I don't want it to mess up my life. But um, you, that's a good – I mean physically you want to have you – you want to survive. Right. Here's what I would say. You can't be a champion for a long time in the UFC because everybody's lethal weapon. Right. I mean you could only win so many duels. And you could be the most skilled guy in the world or woman. And because I was – I did the first four. And I used to do it when there were no rounds. And yeah. I used to I didn't fight in it. I did the easy part. I announced it and did the post game. And you could see these all these lethal weapons matching wits and f- different ways to not beat you, to knock you out so you don't try to hit them back. Yeah. Because you will get knocked out by them. So to me, uh that is a situation where get in, get out. Completely. You're so do you remember those first UFCs where they would you there were no rules. You could like punch someone in the private parts. That was, I was a move. There. 
You were uh, there? No, uh, you got you no eye gouging. You yeah, get knocked out or choked out is the only way to end it. It was like, wasn't it? Um, Gracie crushing it. Uh, remember, yeah. they didn't understand. Uh, it wasn't Henzo. It was uh, I can't. Hoist. The hoist. Remember, like they didn't understand at first, like what an armbar was, and so a guy would like be punching hoist. And they would go, oh, he's got his arm tied up or something. He's like, he won. Like no one, <laughs> no one understood what the about the arm bar. They didn't well, understand. Oh yeah, what happened? He weighed 165 pounds. All these other guys were monsters. Ken Shamrock, two thirty, yeah, yeah. solid muscle, cut out of stone. And within 90 minutes, 90 seconds, they'd be on the ground. Yeah. And also, the one thing about the jujitsu guys, the way the Gracies did, they take a lot of blows. Like you could be punching him in the face and right. be on the, and you could be on your back if you are a great, and you're winning. Yep. Right. Yep. All it takes is, yeah. Right. So, Jamie, a lot up. of times if I see you in a fight and you're getting punched in the face, are you winning? Yeah, or just no? assume that I'm about to pull something <laughs> off. Yeah, I'm always winning. Don't even help you. Right? Don't even. <laughs> no, Jamie's yeah. in trouble. No, 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 no. Yeah. He's got him right. That guy's about to tap. Right. So you watch people do armbars. You never said to yourself, I want to do that. I did. I took, uh, I went to Henzo Gracie as a place in New York City, and I did go there for a couple of years. I never got. A couple of years? Yeah, I never got, like, never advanced in my belts and stuff. I think I got, like, a blue belt, but what a fun. Is it fun? I loved it so much. I, th- I feel like it's. You know when you have to exercise when you're older and everything seems like a chore? Yeah. Like you're like, I'm going to the gym. It was the most fun, like rolling, doing jujitsu. Jujitsu, jujitsu was like so much fun. It's just like time would fly by. And you're sort of fighting for your life, right? Like you don't want to get like choked out. So it's like this cardio, but it's also like this survival thing. And I absolutely loved it. You know what's interesting is that Zuckerberg went on with Joe Rogan Mm -hmm. and he does jujitsu. Yeah. And that's, he says he, well, he just loves it and all his friends do it. Wow. Would you think differently? Do you think differently of him now? I don't think I believe he has friends, but I, um, <laughs> I think that's cool. Whenever I hear someone does yeah. jujitsu, I wrestled in high school. Did you do any high school sports? Uh, did uh, soccer right through college. Okay. Whenever I run into someone that like wrestled in high school or did jujitsu, I feel like there's a weird bond there because there were so many hard things about like making weight and yeah. like the the battle and competitiveness. I always get along with everybody. But so here's good the thing: for, uh, Zuckerberg. you feel like there's a bond, but yeah. do they? Like, I do, will. Like, do they? Like, do you go? Hey, you wrestled, and do you you put it out there, and do they respond and say there's a bond? <laughs> because I'm worried that you, you think feel there's like a I'm bond. forcing it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because you're the same guy with no follow up questions. That's, that's when Greg a really good says, point. "Would you want to go to Foxwoods?" So, I mean, how am I supposed to trust your instincts on on this bonding with sports? That's a good point. Do you ever notice at UFC? I saw a UFC fight last night. I was just watching, like, a replay of one. Sometimes after they fight, they try to fight each other. Have you ever seen that? They go, get over, I'll fight this guy. <laughs> how do you stop a fight? You're like, you guys right? just fought for 50. But then, you, you lost. Right. You can't fight the guy now. That's You know, Holyfield had the best response, and they said, you know, he bit your ear. And he goes, yeah, he's mad at me, but we're in a fight. <laughs> and like he did, I laughed out loud, you know, and I'm like, we're in a fight. What else do you want? That's I mean, amazing. You know, it's not like we're at the library right. and things got out of control. <laughs> so we were talking about, um, uh, we were talking about, we pulled out passion for late night TV, especially you. That's, it used to be the place where comedy comedians made it. Yeah. I was talking to another uh, comedian, John Chris, last week, and he said a friend of his went up on uh, Tonight Show. Not, the, his ticket sales didn't budge. Yeah. You know, it's just that you got to do it on your own. You do it on YouTube. You do it. Things have certainly changed. So one of the places that we wasn't doing stand-up, I know, but one of the places where you really arrived is if you were in John Stewart with The Daily Show. Yep. That was totally different with Trevor Noah. Here's Trevor Noah making the announcement last night after seven years, cut 33. 
everything we've gone through, you know, the Trump presidency, the, the pandemic, uh, just the journey of, you know, the more pandemic. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I realized that after the seven years, um, my time is up. I, uh, yeah, but in, 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 the most, in the most beautiful way. He's honestly. done. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? What's I, going on? I thought on? he was terrible. I mean, just terrible. It's tough following John Stewart, who hate, you know doesn't like me and hates his network, but he uses his network. Uh, but he was creative, mm-hmm. funny. I mean, I looked at that where he found sound and did stuff. I'm like, these great writers, great performance, point of view, place to go. Even though, you know, he does not have positive views of anybody in this channel, maybe outside Bill O'Reilly, who seemed to like a little bit, and Judge Napolitano. But I could appreciate him. I, I I looked at Trevor Noah. I never thought his jokes were clever. They're like Mack trucks coming down the the street, mm-hmm. and we know he doesn't like Trump. And and it was, and during the pandemic, it was unwatchable. It was absolutely. And but my but question, he sells out arenas. Sells out arenas. Do you think? Why do you think he's leaving? Because I don't know if I. I think if he was number one, would he be leaving the Daily Show? If people were. If people were watching that show, do you think I don't that's think so. part of it? I mean, you, you think you realize you're not going anywhere and they can't fire. Uh, they have trouble firing a minority right now for a prominent position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, the other thing is he's got this thriving stand-up. Yeah. I mean, I was told you I was, I was walking by the where the Magic play. I don't know what they call it now. It used to be the Amway Center. Maybe it is. And his name was in hell. I go, who's he performing with? Himself. It sells out. That's wild. So I don't know if they if – they, Will cover half the seats, but even ten thousand—that's unbelievable to me. Yeah, unbelievable. I do uh, not to brag, but a lot of my shows are standing room only if we remove enough chairs. Right. That's, yeah. I did not know that. Uh-huh. See again, and not to—you're not bragging. Doesn't come off. No, no. Cocky. Just uh, just reporting the facts. You know? Right. But again, as yourself. And the other thing I'm, I'm admiring about you talk about what you were watching on television. You have total control of what you watch on television. Yes. Right? What is that like? You like mean to know that you could put on sports? <laughs> you could actually keep the TV <laughs> off. What is that like controlling the TV? Because you don't, you can't control the TV because of a lady, right? Uh, yeah. I will come in and like really watching the news again. Well, yeah, I'm hoping to make sense tomorrow. Right, right. So <laughs> I mean, but every time like no sports. Really, you don't want to see me happy at all. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, Aaron Judge is going for 61, and I care why. This is the give and take. If you wow. live with somebody. I tell people all the time, because I recently got divorced, and people go like, oh, I'm so sorry, and I go, no. Oh, no. <laughs> there's a lot of good... Like, I'm not saying I'm... I'm, not, I'm happy, I don't want any start. Of course, yeah. of course. Because this is on WABC. Almost everybody I know listens. It's one, so no, I'm a very happy marriage. I just have no control of this. Stay people. married. I think it's a wonderful thing. But say somebody runs into a situation like mine where you kind of like, you find yourself getting divorced. That's not ideal, but that's what happens. I always try to make them feel better, because I go, dude, like, there's... Wait till you see what happens. Like... Like last night, I wanted pizza for dinner, and, and I just ordered it. You ordered it. That's the whole story. You don't need any more. No one told me I was a piece of crap or anything. <laughs> I had pizza the night before. <laughs> yeah, but it's a. It's, isn't it interesting how we? I don't remember the last time. I don't remember the last time I went to a hotel and turned on the TV. Can't remember. Like I don't think I've really? ever. Definitely ten or That's, ten years. That or something. saddens me. Does it? Because I'm on TV. Oh, but I watch Fox. Yeah, on my. Phone. I dial it up on my computer. I do my YouTube. Save. We get to pick whatever we want. You know, like there's – I don't do like the let's see what's on. Right. Hey, Josh, did you give him the same rap you gave me? What was that? Oh, okay. Because he told me mm-hmm. – I just thought you were ignoring it uh, because we have to wrap. We're going to come back for a couple more minutes to the oh. other side. 
Yeah, I have to ask you about Tom Brady and okay. his relationship. Back in a moment. Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Looks like I'm back, and I totally... How did I do this in the break? Did you see this? Well, now I just had it, yeah. Uh, welcome back. We only have a couple minutes, but... Um, did you break your headphones? Go see... Uh, it's sold out already, right? Foxwoods is all sold out? I think it's if it's not as close. Okay, so go to Foxwoods October 1st, see Jamie. It turns out we went way too long last time. Wise Guys October 13th, Salt Lake City. And then go to CB Live in Phoenix, Arizona. And then go see him in Comedy Zone. And the same person. Go see him on all these shows. <laughs> October 20th to 22nd in Jacksonville, Florida. And then if he's not too exhausted, West Nyack, New York, November 3rd. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, thank you, Brian. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.